thank you so much for tuning in to Yoga Journeys, a podcast focused on sharing and celebrating inspiring stories of transformation through the practice of yoga. I am your host, Katherine Kennedy. This podcast came about after having experienced my own transformation, growth, and healing through my yoga practice. I wanted to share these life-changing tools with others, so I became a yoga teacher after several years of training. Throughout my years of teaching and practicing, I've talked with many other practitioners and teachers and have heard so many of the same stories over and over again and wanted to create this platform for sharing those stories. Our guest for this episode is Sonia Terrio, also known as Satpal Kar. She is a trauma therapist and kundalini yoga teacher in the Portland, Maine area. It's not an exaggeration to say that kundalini yoga saved her life and set her on a path of healing that continues to this day. Satpal teaches 11-week sessions in hopes of facilitating community and connections between her students, and she runs monthly workshops in Portland. She sees clients at her office in Falmouth, where she also offers Emotional Freedom Technique, or EFT, tapping circles. You can learn more about Satpal via her website at thewellwithinus.com. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with us today, Satpal. Could you start off by talking about what brought you to yoga? So what brought me to yoga? I was thinking about this. I, my first yoga experience, like in a class was at a Planet Fitness in Medford, Massachusetts. <laughs> and it was, it was amazing. It felt really good in my body, but I also, I remember feeling, I'm a recovering type A personality. <laughs> so I remember feeling like really competitive in that first class and one of my friends at work actually made a fake flyer for different yoga postures and how to be competitive in them (laughs) so i i was taking yoga there and i think this was in like 1997 and from there i would i traveled a lot like in that phase of my life i was all over the place and wherever i landed i would just seek out whatever local studio is nearby and just take random classes. And it wasn't like, I wasn't doing them. I wasn't practicing yoga on my own, but I would just practice whatever was available wherever I was. And then when I really dove deep, I was managing a farm in Kalispell, Montana. And I was looking for the local yoga studio and on their It wasn't open when I walked by, but they had a schedule out front and it said Kundalini Yoga. And I think it was like 9 a.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I said to myself, I don't know what that is, but I have to go to that. It was like just an intuitive knowing. And so that was in 2004. And so I'd been doing yoga for a few years but had never done Kundalini before. And I went to my first class and it was mind blowing. I sobbed through the whole thing. I was having experiences that I really can't put words to. And I was hooked from, from that moment on. And from there, did you choose at that point to become a yoga teacher or what brought you to that, making that choice to become a yoga teacher? 
Yeah, I never thought I would be a yoga teacher. I'm not in like a typical yoga body. <laughs> I didn't really think that that was available to me. But so this teacher, her name is Mary. I don't even think she was trained in Kundalini yoga at that point, but she was teaching it and she was an amazing teacher. And she offered this sort of like adjunct thing to go with her weekly classes. Like if you wanted to go deeper into Kundalini yoga, you could meet with her individually. She'd kind of assess like what, what chakra you needed to work on the most. And she'd do some body work on you at the same time. And then, kind of prescribe a, a daily practice for you. And I, as I said, I was managing a farm, so I had no money, but she was willing to trade for vegetables, which was amazing. So um, I traded vegetables for this, for this opportunity. And she found that what needed the most work for me was my throat chakra and my root chakra. I, I started doing this practice of Kantha, Padma Kriya, and Sat Kriya every day. And I think I was, you know, I was doing it. I was doing it on this farm that had no housing. So I was living in a tent. It's Montana. So it like snows every month of the year there. It was kind of crazy. But I remember, I think I was maybe 20 days into this practice. And I, I just realized how much I was healing myself. And mind you, in the, day, in the weekly classes, in her public classes, I was sobbing through every single class twice a week, just like unloading years of pain. So on this day when I was practicing on my own on the farm, I, I had another like intuitive knowing that I was healing myself and I, I had to help other people learn how to do this. And so in that moment, I decided that I would become a yoga teacher. And it was, it was a few years. Well, no, it wasn't. It was only a year actually until I started my training. <clears throat> I didn't know how that would work or anything, but it actually all lined up perfectly when whatever you're meant to do is realized. <laughs> perfectly happens. So from that farm experience, I came home to Maine for a couple of months and then I did a three-month, what they called at the time, spiritual lifestyle program at Kripalu. And when I was there, I met someone named Gessner Geyer, who is, he's out of Massachusetts and he's like a, some kind of neuroscientist. And he was teaching a weekend training at Kripalu, Kundalini Yoga in the Brain. And I was, I was doing my seva, so I couldn't go to the full weekend training, but a lot of presenters at Kripalu will do a Saturday night course or program that anyone at Kripalu can go to. And so I went to that and he was talking about, you know, the state of children in our culture today and you know basically all the trauma and pain that we go to and not not really having good coping skills for whatever it is that they're experiencing and that really spoke to me and you know how kundalini yoga heals the brain and heals trauma and 
I was again sobbing <laughs> and went up to him after class and he talked with him. He just pointed his finger right at my heart and looked in my eyes and he said, you have to go do your teacher training. And I was nodding my head like, yes, I know I have to do that. And so the next day I went on to the, the Seva people, the volunteers at Kripalu, they had this little, at the time, this little room with two computers in it. So I went and sat down and looked up Kundalini yoga teacher trainings and I found one that started the day that my spiritual lifestyle program ended at Kripalu. And it was at the Omega Institute and I signed up for it. I didn't have the money for it either, but I just used my credit card and asked people, I, I wrote a letter asking for money, which was a really big deal for me. <laughs> it was really hard to do. So I got like one third of it funded through friends and family and the other part of it I put on my credit card. And I went, I got a ride from a friend. I went to teacher training right after the Kripalu experience. It was perfect. I'm going to go back to something that you mentioned about the mind and healing and Kundalini. And it's interesting. I was telling you before we started uh, the recording that I had just recorded my story, which you already know, because we've talked about it before. And it was only two weeks ago that I was, was putting that together. And it's exactly true that we as children, when we're growing up, have no capacity to really process anything in a traumatic way that happens to us. Mm -hmm. And we don't have the strategies, we don't have the tools to help us heal, to help us work through these significant events. And even if they're not significant, like we hear all of these studies saying that trauma happens to most everybody, even if they're like mini traumas, they can have a major effect on, on how we, how we live our lives, the rest of our lives. And oftentimes because our mind is so powerful and can, can kind of shelter us in a, in a healthy way from, you know, those things that we experience later on in life, because we don't know that they happen to us even you know, we don't even know how those things are affecting us in our day-to-day -day lives. And I know you as a, as a practicing therapist probably see this on a regular basis in your, in your own work with people. And um, if you, if you want to speak to that, feel free to do so, or, or talk a little bit more about that, that piece of healing trauma and the importance to provide, especially children, ways to help cope and, and heal yeah, I mean, I, I think from my own experience and from what I witness every day with my clients, children, when we're experiencing that developmental trauma that, you know, it's like, it doesn't feel safe day to day in, in whatever way, we just do the best we can. And the best we can looks different for each of us. But Typically, we're, we're creating negative beliefs about ourselves to, because when we're children, we, we're very just naturally 
self-centered like the world exists because of us we don't have that ability to to really separate ourselves out and so we take on like if something scary or bad is happening we take responsibility for it right so so this must be happening because i'm i'm bad or i'm not good enough or i'm unlovable or you know those are the typical the typical beliefs that we create when we're experiencing trauma as children i'm not worthy and we do that to protect ourselves it sounds kind of counterintuitive but we we don't want to believe that it's our caretakers that are making mistakes does that make sense oh yeah totally yeah yeah and so as soon as we're old enough to make <laughs> to make our own decisions or have some sort of authority or over ourselves typically those of us that have experienced trauma turn to not the healthiest coping, but just any way to feel some sort of relief or, or comfort or pleasure, right? So that can show up in all kinds of ways, drugs, alcohol, sex, eating. Yeah, it's a, it's a regular <laughs> maladaptive buffet. So. And certainly I was engaging in a little bit of each of those categories as a young person out in the world. And so when finding Kundalini, it was like, wow, this is, I can change the way I feel in minutes, in less than minutes, just by breathing or chanting or moving my body with the breath in a certain way. And so when Gessner Geyer was sharing his research, it was like, it, it was like feeling completely validated in that moment of my own experience. And then that experience that I was talking about earlier of knowing that I had to share this with other people, it just felt like another sort of nudge onto my own path of truth, like finding my own truth. That's awesome. I love hearing how people come about to the path that they're on. So thank you so much for sharing that. I also want to ask you about your work as a therapist, because as in my experience, as you know, it wasn't just about yoga, but it was also about the various types of therapy that I was engaging in, including cognitive behavioral therapy, emotional freedom technique, EMDR. And I wonder if as a therapist, you are also encouraging this modality approach to healing. Yeah, I think it's, it's a many-layered approach that never, or not even an approach, a, a journey or experience that really doesn't have an end. And <laughs> not to say that in like a negative way, it's just there's always more healing or integrating of yourself that can be done. So for me, Kundalini yoga was the first step. Before Kundalini yoga, I was engaging in many of those maladaptive coping (laughs) that I had mentioned earlier, like drinking a lot, smoking a lot of cigarettes, doing a lot of drugs, having like picking the worst possible person to be in a relationship with. And 
you know, who knows why, <laughs> because it felt normal, right? And so Kundalini yoga for me was the beginning, the beginning of my healing journey. And then from there, I had already been in therapy for years before, but more like talk therapy, which I have my own bias about. I mean, it can get you, it can get you a little ways on your, on your healing path, but I really think that you have to get the body involved somehow. So like you were mentioning EFT and EMDR, you know, there was a point that I was doing Kundalini yoga and I felt very, I felt whole, I felt capable in a way that I had never felt before. And I remember I was, I was going to see someone for acupuncture and, you know, I, I felt whole and there were still things that were challenges for me. Like I didn't sleep normally for a very long time. Like, I don't know, maybe a debt close to a decade. And so I was seeing someone for acupuncture and I remember saying to him, like, I feel like I'm in such a good place. I need something to, <laughs> I don't remember exactly how I said it, but like, I need some, I need something to like push me to, to go deeper because I feel like I'm in a holding pattern. Well, I got pregnant in an, an intentional thing for me to do with my husband, we decided to have a baby. And that, <laughs> that was the thing. Like that just opened up so many, so much of my own history that maybe at, at the time I wasn't ready to look at, but becoming a mother brought up so much, of, so much trauma for me, so much fear that I, I had to seek help again outside of Kundalini yoga. I needed, I started seeing a therapist. The, the birth experience I had with my daughter was very traumatic. And I had full-blown PTSD after I gave birth to her. And so my therapist luckily was trained in emotional freedom techniques or tapping EFT. And that, that was, that helped me so much get back into what we call our window of tolerance. I don't know if you're familiar with that term, but it's basically like this state of feeling grounded in yourself and able to connect with other people. And so I did that. And then from there, just she, my therapist ended up retiring. She was one of my favorite therapists. <laughs> so from there, I decided to become a therapist to, to go deeper into that my path of helping other people learn how to heal themselves. And so I went back to school and I, I found another therapist and started doing EMDR. And now I'm, you know, there are moments of pause, like moments of like, I've integrated a lot. I've healed another layer. And now there's a moment of pause, like kind of like Shavasana at the end of yoga class. And then I'll feel ready to do another piece of the work. And so now I'm doing something called resonance repatterning with a woman here in Portland. And it's very similar. There, there are parts of it that feel a lot like Kundalini yoga. There are parts of it that feel like EMDR. There are modalities that we do that 
are a lot like a lot like tapping or yoga or like <laughs> it's it's very interesting. So yeah, I think that there are many ways to get to whatever whatever your path of healing is. So and it it's all about timing too. Like what are you ready for right now? And whatever it is will show up. Yeah, I think that one of the things that comes up for people who I sometimes teach, I'm I'm taking a bit of time away from actually teaching right now, but when I was teaching, there was always this idea that they were really scared about what was going to be coming up. But I think that that's part of the healing process is knowing that you are coming to a place of, I loved how you said the pause, (laughs) you know, you're, you're pausing, you're letting yourself ground down first, and then know that you're ready to hit that next level of understanding of your experiences and where you are and where you might be going and whatever that path is to get there. And and whatever healing modalities, I, I love to hear you talk about the fact that every single step of the way, there was kind of this intuitive knowing like, this is exactly what I need right now. Mm -hmm. And then when you're ready for the next bit, this is exactly what came out of it. And, and then also empowering yourself in knowledge by way of going back to school and saying, I want to become a therapist so that I can help others. I think that's really, really important because, you know, part of what you said back at the beginning was you were working on your throat and your root chakra in order to be a therapist. I mean, (laughs) that throat (laughs) chakra has got to be wicked strong and you've got to be grounded your root chakra. So it's, it's lovely to hear you talk about that being where you started and then knowing where you are now. I feel like it's a, it's a, a beautiful showing of how important it is to do our own work. Yeah. It's, so important. And I want to go back to something you said that reminded me people are afraid to face these experiences that they've had in their past. And, you know, they're, they're having symptoms related to those experiences. But, but actually what's really happening is they're, they're trying to, and I've done this myself, avoid the thing, whatever the thing is that they're, that they're needing to heal from. There's this sense of no way. I don't want to look at that. I don't want to feel it. And so I'm going to do everything in my power to move away from it. And in reality, they're spending so much energy doing that. And the thing is, whatever it is, if it's a memory, if it's a relationship, you know, it's in the front of their mind all the time because they're working against it. And so like, whether it's in Kundalini, like I teach a lot of rebirthing, which is very similar to EMDR in that we purposely go into past memories and look at them and allow ourselves to feel them. Or if it is EMDR or another modality, having the courage to face whatever has happened in your life that in the past you've tried desperately to run away from is that is the path like what there's like this quote the only way to heal is to go through it to go through the pain right i guess my point is when 
if you know that you're avoiding something, see if you can just move toward it instead of avoiding. And that is where you're going to find relief. That's how you're going to release it from always being in the front of your mind or always creating symptoms, whether it's anxiety or PTSD symptoms or depression. If you can face it and feel it, then you'll be free of it. I can totally relate to that in, in my own experience. So I want to talk a little bit about, based on your experiences and what we've talked about today, what would you share with someone who has never done yoga before and is interested in starting? I would say that the hardest part is just getting there like just getting to your first class, whether it's uh, Hatha or Vinyasa style of yoga or Kundalini. And I want to separate those up because they are so different. So if you've never gone to Kundalini before, it's kind of like going to yoga for the first time again. Just getting yourself there is the hardest part. Another thing that can be really challenging is your own, potentially your own self-talk. Like if you're nervous about going and you're feeling like, maybe your body doesn't look like the rest of the bodies in the class or just to know that most people are so involved in their own experience <laughs> that they're not they're not going to be judging you and so if you can work towards not judging yourself it's going to make not just yoga your whole life much easier but just to know when you're going into a class that the likelihood of there being someone else in the class who's feeling nervous about being there is really high. Thank you so much, Sonia, also known as Sat Paul, for sharing your story today. It's been great to have you here. Thank you. This was really <laughs> fun <laughs> for my first podcast. I'm, I'm glad that it was with you, Catherine. Awesome. Me too. You're always welcome back anytime to share more. Thank you so much for tuning in to listen to today's episode of Yoga Journeys, inspiring stories of transformation, growth, and healing. We'll have another episode ready for you soon, but until then, I hope you have a wonderful day. 